This sounds like a garage band motor hat. You know? I like it. It's dirty. Hey, everybody. We Welcome to the show. <laughs> That's our garage we punk got, intro. Well, I don't know if you knew this, Adam, but we've always, this has always been the theme of the podcast. It's oh, just, I put it in after. Oh, okay, okay. But now, since I got one chord... Is all that stopped us? Literally, a co- we got the cord, and now the juice can flow from being like a professional the operation. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, I'm impressed, Keith. You've taken this opportunity to improve the infrastructure. Well, I gotta of get our well-produced podcast. Of our well-produced, but we're gonna get videos next. <laughs> hey, man, it, it's I, I, I like it. I, I appreciate it. We have better microphones. Yeah. We got better headphones. <clears throat> we also have a better like soundboard drop area. You can do your drop so you want yep. to, as they say in the biz. Welcome. Get a soundboard. It's good. Yeah, welcome in. I am Keith Pazel. This is my podcast. You should be excited. This is a turning Still point. Figuring, I'm, I'm figuring <laughs> out the distance of this new microphone, too. Yeah. Because it's yeah. way powerful. You don't you don't have to be on it like that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I you're actually right. yeah, I I feel stupid because... I literally watched videos of Howard Stern because he's got that powerful radio yeah, mic. So yeah. I, I looked at him and I'm like, well, what he knows when to like back off when he yells yeah, and like, yeah, yeah, exactly. you got to learn it. That's little stuff that when you have shitty equipment, you don't realize you have to do that. Yeah. Where yeah. you're like, when you scream, you have to like know to back off. Because it, like, it sounds get in like on it. it sounds oh, uneven you'll, otherwise. You'll yeah. blow people's ears the yeah. smithereens if yeah. you scream scream into the microphone. Yeah, it sounds like wow, it sounds like my axe. But we're here. <laughs> we did it. We're watching a we're watching a Tyler Perry movie right now. Tyler Perry movie. You yeah. Know? What, what, what's it called? Is it called? Like, this is some temptation stuff. You mm-hmm. though might want to bring that in a little bit on your on your mouth. Well, the oh, microphone. Okay, okay, okay. Bring okay, it in. Absolutely. A little. I hear you. I hear you. You'll we'll work it. with it. We'll yeah, work we'll work with it. You know, it's uh, for, we're figuring out the kinks, the as they say. Temptation something. Oh, no, that's not. We need to scrap all that. That is Journey Smollett. Oh. That's Ju- Juicy Smollett's Jussie. That's her. That's his sister, I think. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. This cat's been an actor. He was. He was in a. a black oh, dude. Panther Tyler Perry gets the stars out. Uh, <laughs> we have Journey Smollett, Bell, Lance Gross, Kim Kardashian oh. is in this. Oh God. Robbie Jones and Vanessa Williams. Vanessa oh, Williams is a classic. Oh well, Vanessa Williams is gorgeous. Didn't she do the voice of Pocahontas? I think so. She might have actually. I think she did do the voice Listen, of Pocahontas. She's a talent, man. She she bounced around Hollywood for a while. I mean, that that's how charismatic she was. She was a leading woman for a little while. Didn't she do a duet with Luther Vandross? Oh, I think so. I think Everyone so. Everyone went through Luther Vandross at some point in the oh, 90s. Oh, Vandross was huge in the 90s. Kind of flick. We got huge. Raiders of the Lost Ark happening. Oh, saw it 3 times in the theater in 1981. Really? Yes. I loved it. I, I, I absolutely loved this movie. This movie, I think, has stood the test of time pretty well, too. You know, what I like about I think I tell, I must tell a story, because we only have 13 stories on our podcast. <laughs> and, and 11 of them, I say, Amanda Rip will come up. I'll talk about how I'm glad I'm not a pedophile, you know. Well, you haven't or, or talked else. about that. I think we need to probably clarify <laughs> now that we got all this COVID-19 pedophile sweeping off the street. No, no, I have, uh, but Raiders of a Lost Ark, I always like to tell the story about uh, the movie that came out before this 1941 that Spielberg, it's oh, truly yeah, one yeah. of his only bombs. Although the money, the movie still made money. It, that movie, 1941, comedy with Dan Aykroyd, Jim Belushi, 
Uh, it had a huge cast. That was like Belushi's you know? one of his last things before he died, right? Well, yeah, I think, yeah. He only made five movies, and that was one yeah. of them. You know, and, and, and the studio put, they put $35 million into that comedy in like 1979. Which is a lot. That's a ton. You, you, may, you can make a, a good movie now for $35 million bucks. I always you know have to I mean? adjust like, mentally because I'll look up movies in the 80s. Yeah. And they'll be like, this was a smash blockbuster success. And, and you'll look, and it'll be like, oh, it made $120 million. Well, exactly. They, Making $100 million was like... That, a billion that 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 shows your uh, depth in depth knowledge of economics, Keith. When you say that, because I know what the dollars fluctuate. No, because no, 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 you're just like, no, I don't understand this concept. It's it's so proportionally I mean, speaking. I understand it. I just have to. It take like my mind. I see those numbers, and I'm like, oh, this must have been a financial failure. Oh no, it was a complete. But 1941 cost 35 million bucks. It still made $90 million. I thought it was a total failure, but Spielberg was so embarrassed by it because it was supposed to be a comedy. Well, yeah, that's when and he said, like, that, isn't that when he was like, I'm storyboarding every movie I ever do? And that's why I always tell the story of that, and Raiders of the Lost Ark was the next movie he did, and this movie was all thought out, literally scene by scene before they even started it. Like, it was just completely thought. They shot it in 79 days, which is pretty quick, I that think. That is really quick. You know, for an action movie, I mean, you're doing that in two and a half months. You know, I mean, they must have had a, a tight set. You know, like a, I mean, a very a like tight five. You know, just like okay, we got to do this. You know, everyone's on, everyone's on mark, everyone's on on point. You know. Do you even think? I wonder if they even casted Harrison Ford with like, no, he's gonna look like Harrison Ford, or if they kept it ambiguous. Like, I wonder who they auditioned for Indiana Jones. Tom Selleck. It was between Tom no Selleck shit. and Harrison Ford to become Indiana Jones. How fucking crazy is yeah. that? You know, also for Karen Allen's role, Sean Young. Sean Young was on oh, the short yeah. list. Well, she was, I was nuts, right? I was infatuated with Sean Young. Sean Young was one, when I think of the actors that I was, you know, actresses, I'm going to say, okay. Actresses. Ca- uh, Ca- Carrie Fisher, Margot Kidder, Elizabeth Shue, Sean Young, and Ann Archer were in that. You got to be Sean scientific Young. with it. When I think of Actry. <laughs> but but with Sean Young, yeah, she she went batshit. I guess she's nuts. Well, she wanted to be Catwoman, and she sent pictures of herself in a cat costume to like the producers and stuff like that. Yeah, she's I, hardcore. Uh, well, I, I guess she she uh, don't play games. She also had a problem with the bottle. She liked the sauce a lot. That was her. That was her downfall. As Croce says. She liked the fire water. Yeah, she. <laughs> but I was into her too. But yeah, but this was Raiders of the Lost Ark was the first movie after 1941, so every single scene was storyboarded, and, and they just shot it. Uh, it's entertaining. I think it's still a very enter- people point to this there? as being a turning point of the action. We movie. got one of my favorite movies of all time, Friday, going on on MTV. Yeah, you you love Friday. I'm gonna buy yeah. all three for thirty dollars on fucking Google Play. But let me tell you Son. what. Let me finish up this. So they filmed 1941 with airplanes and about the war, and they also filmed Airplane at the same time. Airplane, $3.5 million budget. Got three and a half million bucks. Well, yeah, because all you really need is the interior. Most of that probably went to pay for that old bitch from Leave it to Beaver. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I'm sure she was commanding a big salary. But but it was uh, I mean yeah it was cheap and that movie made I, th- I think that movie might have made like a hundred million dollars. You know the I think I've mentioned this before, but I always get blown away that Airplane was rated PG. Oh yeah, and it has tits in it. Oh absolutely, there's like nudity in it, and it's only PG. The hey, rating what, system was wild back then. I love uh, when I think about that. It's like PG was a wide net. PG was PG, R. Well, I, I used to go with my parents. So it was parental guides. Okay, if your parents bring you, you know you should be okay. They're making the decision. 
and then they realize they had to bifurcate it and say we got to have PG thirteen. We got to have yeah. a little bit more, a little, a little <clears throat> well, bit. You know. Well, PG thirteen is also cussing. Like PG thirteen, you get yeah. one, you get one non-violent fuck. Like you can have it be reactionary. Like you can oh. someone stubs their toe and they go motherfucker. Yeah. But like in PG thirteen movies, you yeah. can't no fuck you. Yeah. No fuck this. Like you can't say it at towards something. Yeah. It has to be reactionary. Yeah. Also, PG thirteen murder no blood. So wow. that's why in all those comic book movies, you you'll see them get shot, but then they just and then they cut you never actually see any sort of blood or gore <laughs> yeah that makes sense um, interesting that, that that's a line and then you get one fuck two fucks it's rated r you'll actually see in some pg-13 movies they'll be like what the frick are you doing but you'll see their mouth say fuck, <laughs> fuck. yeah and then yeah. they have to go in and post and, ma- and make some some fricks and some <laughs> that's why i like battlestar galactica what battlestar galactica figured out how to do was uh New swearing. They did their own language. Like they yeah. said, frack. That yeah. was their fuck. And yeah. they would literally say it in moments. With the same authority. Where you would feel like they said fuck. And oh, you were yeah. like, oh, that's way better. Yeah. Like there's this one scene where Starbuck and Adama's kid yeah. are, because Starbuck's a chick in the I, reboot. Dude, dude, I don't know if you realize this. I'm a huge BSG fan. I love that. I binge watched. Here are my three. It, it, it was, it was, uh, we'll get to the story because it's absolutely right. I, I want Starbucks. Starbucks and, yeah. and Adamo. Was it when they, when they were going to get married? Or they, and they keep falling in love with her? It's like second season oh, when they're okay. like, and they're like arguing and then they start like making out and yeah. he goes, is this what we're going to be? Is this all we do? Frack or fight? Yeah. And you're just like, oh, dude, yeah. like you really felt the moment where you're like, oh, what a well-placed frack. I tell you what, and Ron then Moore is smart. And then there's one moment where uh, one of the female characters realizes that uh, old girl is a Cylon, you know, the hot chick. Yes. Uh, who's like programming everything. Yes, exactly. And then she goes, they're all a bunch of fracking skin jobs. Yeah. yeah. And you're just like, yeah, you fucking, that, yeah. you're like, oh, you're racist, bitch. Yeah. You know, dude, that, I mean, I binge watched that. That I was heavily into that. And also Deadwood. I was heavily into all Deadwood's a great show. And, and then I watched uh, a real great show. Yeah. I, I watched uh, a couple seasons of Mad Men. I liked Mad Men, but it was, I got through like two of that and I yeah. couldn't be on that. I you couldn't, know, the thing about that show and I like it, it's a good show. Um, I feel like it almost got a little bit too into the aesthetic aesthetic of what it was of like look at this great set we can put together and it looks like 19 you know 67 or it's something one of those shows apartment. And, and, and I like that I respect that but right I don't know how much stuff was going on go ahead it's one of those shows where everything kind of bleeds in like I can't it all feels like one giant episode like I can't really pinpoint like this happened in this episode. Oh, and oh, this happened in that episode. Like you kind of, you can really just sum up the whole show with being like, Don Draper's a pussy hound. He cheats on his wife. Yeah. Like they're all going through age crises. Yeah. They're they're approaching a fucking, I think like a, a bad time in marketing. And yeah. Stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And it probably has to do with the Kennedy assassination. They're going to have some, but like every episode is and the that, changing basically. society. They're trying to talk yeah. about the, cha- I mean, it's the redhead, political... the redhead with big tits is going to end up being higher up in the, in the office. Cause she don't play games. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she ended up doing her own bits. By the way, I've watched Mrs. America. I've been binge watching that. It's great. What's that? It's great. I love it. You think it's good? I haven't watched it. Ooh. Um, what's been the buzz? What have you heard? I like it. We got She's All That on E. <laughs> oh, Rachel Lee Cook. Look how 
That's not Rachel Lee Cook, is it? Yes, it she is. looks, what am I, a pedophile? She's like 12, right? Well, no, not in this. She's right <laughs> on legal age. Jesus. Anyway, but yeah, what... Uh, Oh, and oh, oh, oh. Oh, I know. Yeah, no, that, that that's interesting. Uh, I actually think they're they're providing more depth, more depth to like what their side of the story was. They're still batshit crazy. I mean, they're batshit crazy. There's no doubt. Phyllis Schlafly was batshit, but but Kate Blanchett's, it's Kate Blanchett. I mean, this is Meryl Streep for crying out loud. She's amazing, and she's producing it too. So I'm like, it's going to be quality, and she plays that character quite well, and, and she's intelligent. She's smart. She's tough-minded. She's an arguer. I mean, she's like not a uh, she's not a shrieking violet by any means. Do you, you know, know where my weed pen is? But she, <laughs> no, I don't know. But she, uh, she's um, crazy in real life. Uh, I mean, uh, my my mom, my mom, my mom detested her. She detested Phyllis Schlafly oh, because my mom was the president of her now chapter. She couldn't stand it, you know. So it fell on the floor. It fell on the floor, guys. But you know, don't and, worry. She, I mean, she also talks about the certain hard realities. Every that women black have to guy face. on TV right now looks like Josh Johnson. <laughs> <clears throat> that guy looks like Josh, but it's not because this is because he's white. No. <laughs> I used to watch this movie, Crocious. This is a this. Is, let me give you a glimpse. I want to go off on the Miss America thing no more. A yeah. glimpse of where I used to be. I used to watch this movie when there was nothing to do in like. High school classes, they would pop She's All That on. This or Remember the Titans were like the two go-tos. Jesus. This movie, the premise of this is Freddie Prince Jr. is a popular boy, and he gets posed a bet. He basically says, like, if my dick is magic, dude, like, all I got to do is fuck you, and you're like the shit. You're the queen. It doesn't, like, the girl doesn't matter. It's all about me. So his friends pose a bet. Paul Walker, specifically, uh, poses a bet, like, take any nerd... And turn her into the shit. And it's a bet. But he's going to fall in love with her. Really? <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> That's our rim shot. Yeah. Hello there. <laughs> or, I mean, this is something that kids in this time, too, because. That's the way it is with kids today. That's <laughs> Yeah. God damn, those drops are great. Absolutely, they're good. They I want to get one with the bomb, 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 where the song continues on. <laughs> but no, so Mrs. America, yeah, they talk about it. What's good about it is Kate Blanchett plays Phyllis Schlafly, and she is a hard-driving woman. She's smart, you know, but her whole thing... Hard-driving Brad. Her whole thing, what I'm getting from her character, it's driven by, like, first off, the fear of communism. Communism was absolutely... I mean, it was still strong in people's brains. I feel like it's coming back. That these communists. Are, well, I mean, it, it's kind of defining itself in a different. Socialist yeah. is now probably a word that's a dirty Communist word. Communist data. You that's know? like what we're getting. Facebook messages. Yeah, and, and that's what. It, I mean, there was still that fear back then. And I remember being a kid back then. And, and, and you know, the Soviet Union was a mortal enemy. That that was the fucking narrative. That's it. They're awful. They're pointing thousands of missiles at us. And she has. She's the type of woman that had a fallout shelter in her basement. She was like that type. Did of your woman. family ever get that close, or were you like, did you have canned food at all? Like, was there some no, sort of nuclear no. option? No. Although I remember, in or as the, George Bush would say, nuclear option. <laughs> in the early '80s, when I was a young teen, 13, 14, <coughs> I actually from 11 to 14 is when I feared nuclear war the most. That that, that would have been from 1980 to 1983. That's when I feared it the most. I used to have nightmares about it and stuff. Because that truly was Reagan like, okay, we're going to up the stakes now. We're going to end this fucking thing. From about 1992 to 1996 is when I feared werewolves the most. (laughs) 
<laughs> what, a, what a different time we grew up in. I also I was very much afraid of vampires. Vampires are the things I was most afraid of as a kid. Van- Dude, more I tried than to, wolves. I tried to, <laughs> I when tried I was to, like 10, I feared vampires a lot. I tried to turn <laughs> this into a bit. Um, when I was a kid, I read a story on the Globe. You know, like the Inquirer? Yeah, like of course. The, the, pamphlet, yeah. the pamphlet papers? Yes. There Dave a, Phillips has a good impression on that, by the way. Because he's like the alien guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> there was a story about a little kid who turned into a werewolf. <laughs> and dude, it shook me. Yeah, I remember I couldn't sleep. And here's where my stepdad was weird, though. So I, for about a week, I couldn't sleep in my room. I would go in the living room and yeah, sleep. It just yeah. soothed me for some reason. Yep. And my stepdad woke up. He would wake up at like four in the morning to go to work. And I remember he woke up one morning and found me. And he shook me awake. And he pointed to my room. And he goes, get in there. Ooh, he was like really upset that I wouldn't stay in my room. And I remember he had to have like a talk with me about like, and not even yeah. a like a... Oh, this is ridiculous. Like a real serious, like this, like your fear of werewolves is getting in the way of your marriage of your, of, with of my your, mother. Like yeah, you're yeah. ruining this house. <laughs> like you need to grow the fuck up or I'm going to make you sleep outside. Well, I wonder if that was some weird little kid projection of like, Dude, he was the werewolf. That, you honestly, know what I mean? Like he was the here's were- what it is. And my mom yelled at him. This is what, what I think started the end of their marriage because yeah. my mom's not with him anymore. Yeah. My stepdad's dad died when he was like 10. Yeah. So he was parentless from 10 on. So yeah. he had to grow the fuck up. Like yeah. his older brother raised him. So I remember one time my they were arguing because my sister had just dropped out of college. And yeah. he was like, he basically was like, you have to pay to live here. And I remember my mom being like, don't ever tell my kids that they need to do. Like, yeah. I'll decide that. She goes, you don't pay to live here. She goes, you can get a job at fucking McDonald's and help yeah. me pay the rent. And then she goes, just because your fucking parents died when you were 12 and you didn't deal with it doesn't mean you got to take it out on my kids. Ooh, God, she got personal. She fucking went yeah, she, in. Yeah, she, yeah absolutely. Yeah. She yeah. was like, you don't know what, it, what it's like. She goes, I would do anything for my kids. And then yeah. like she fucking laid it down. Dude, my mom gets mama bear like that. Good for her. Man, I tell you, that's interesting hearing that, man, because it's like it, it, that whole thing. I think a lot of people back in the day, yeah, you had parents that died and shit. You know what I mean? Death was a, yeah. a specter that was around 50 years ago. I think a little, I mean, it's still around, obviously, but mm-hmm. it's like, like I had family members. They had, you know, my, my, uh, my uncle, my uncle, my mom's father died when she was 20. My uncle was 11. And, and he died, and of course, in a total like, Agrarian Cholera rural death, or some or, shit like that. No, he got hit in the head with a wrecking ball. Holy Christ! <laughs> they were taking a barn down, but it grazed him. It didn't totally like that hit him flush. Old, old Superman way to it, die. It, it, it didn't hit him flush, but it nicked a good chunk of his right. head. And, and he he went down. He was a oh. big guy. He was like six five, like two fifty. He was a big man, and, and he was able to like deal with it for like a week. And then he just died in a coma. Like I mean, and they didn't have the surgical techniques in 1966. Well, to I just want to say, people, people like that. I just want to say, I just want to thank each and every one of y'all for all you've done to your bodies. You know, you got to give it up. But yeah, it, like it is interesting. She left that guy. That was a, that was a real moment, Keith. Yeah, that, that was a therapy it was a moment. Real moment. That was that was a reveal about well, your. Well, I, I here's I here's how good of a storyteller Oof. I am. Oof. I wasn't even there. My sister told me that story. Wow. I got feelings telling that. Of course. I, well, it sounded yeah. real. Absolutely. Uh, that, I was gone. I did. You know, what's weird is I had a much, I had two options always for parenting. I just, I had my mom and my stepdad, which is where I would stay during the week. Yeah. Like when they, when I pre-adult 
Yeah. And then from when we moved back to my hometown, my the apartment we lived in in Cherville, Indiana burnt down. So we had to yeah. move back to my hometown. <laughs> and when that happened, my dad lived a block away. So I would go there every day after school. Oh, yeah. And even though my mom knew that I was like getting up to shit over there. Yeah. She's let me do it. Like yeah. when I was in seventh grade, my step, my real dad moved with my aunt and I unofficially just moved with him for two years. I didn't wow. see, I didn't see my mom for like almost a year and a half wow. from seventh grade through yeah. eighth grade. Maybe and we have she, a connection on that. We would call case. each other yeah. and she, and I remember she told me later, she was like, that was one thing I wanted to do. She was like, I knew all of the people I knew that got divorces were such cunts when it came to like seeing their dad. She goes, I never wanted to, yeah. you. she was like, what if you wanted to see him that like I made a choice to like, yeah. even though he's not the best fucking yeah. role model, yeah. like yeah. I'm not going to keep you from your dad. She was yeah. like, that fucks people up. Like you don't. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I do. You, you're absolutely. And she always said, I, I <clears throat> purposely, she goes, I would never talk shit about him in front of you. She was like, that's so unhealthy when people yeah. fucking talk shit about their parents in front of their kids. You know, my mom, for the most part, was pretty good about that. For the most part. Mm -hmm. I think she thought she was better than what she actually was. See, my dad wasn't good with that. Yeah. <clears throat> my yeah. dad would get drunk. Your mother is a whore with your oh, new dad. Man. See, but because. I, see, but honestly, yeah. because I had that week with my mom in a normal house. Yeah. My head was able to process that and be like, well, you're drunk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're a maniac right yeah. now. Yeah. I'm going to go watch the Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> you just had to tune it out. No. Yeah. I remember because my mom, you know, it, it, my, my brother and I would go to my father's every other weekend, but my mom was the primary caretaker. You know, so but they live twelve miles apart from each other. So every other weekend, I go with my father back to the farm. He had a farm. What a star-studded cast! So we got a Culkin <laughs> as the little brother. We got a young Eldon Smith. He's in Idle Hands. He's he plays the fat friend in most movies in the early two thousands and nineties. We got Kevin Pollock as the shitbag pool cleaning father. Kevin Pollock is in this movie. He cleans pools. <laughs> I like him being like, eh, that's a roll of, I'll do that for a couple months. What the hell? I got paid Can 150 grand. Can I do a walking impression? <laughs> <clears throat> but no, yeah, my, uh, so every other, and, and I used to like my time with my father. My, and my mom was relatively cool about that. But there were times when she would get like, you know, he's emotionally stunted. You know, he, yeah. I remember her saying that. And like, so she wasn't always perfect You know what the that. most my mom would do? And it was always in a, a, uh, yeah. a sarcastic tone. She would just go, he's an idiot. Yeah. She would say it like that. He's an idiot. And you know what she called him? And I didn't put this together until later. She called him wag. And I would be like, what does that stand for? And she goes, what a guy. <laughs> she would be like, what a guy. <laughs> so that's what she called so him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what a guy. <laughs> <laughs> you caught one there. But that's just a lot of trust because there's probably stuff that she doesn't know. One time when I was... I had to have been young because I don't fully remember all of it. So yeah. my dad never, and I don't want to sound like I'm talking shit about him. He really loves his high school time. He's one of those dudes that like was the shit in high school, oh. was a good baseball player. So like he really reveres that time in his life. Oh God. That's a, <clears throat> isn't that a classic thing you're afraid of? Oh, totally. To I worry about that. It's when a I very talk millennial about the thing to do. The like the Letterman jacket era of your life and shit like that. Really? So when we were real little, uh, I think my sister was with us. He took us to a high school football game, the high school I eventually went to, yeah. which was 
about four, five, six miles from my house and yeah. across a major highway with yeah. no sidewalk. Like yeah. there was oh, no... Oh, you, you walked we there? We walked. Oh, man. And, <laughs> and I remember we watched the game. I just was... It was football. I wasn't into it. We oh, were just really? there. And I kind of remember we were under the bleachers and shit because I don't think you, we were... You can't... I don't think you can be in. I think we snuck in. Yeah. Like I don't think they just let random fucking people in. <laughs> So you snuck into a high school football so the game. I remember pieces God. of, and then I remember like walking five bucks. and then I remember walking home yeah. late. Oh yeah. Like yeah. trudging through tall grass, yeah. like one, two in the morning. And like, it's shit like that, that like if we would have, if at the time, if I would have went home and been like, Hey, we walked to bloom yeah. and went to the football yeah. game. I would have been like, what the fuck? I remember, I think we told that. I think I told that story on here where I woke up to get a drink of water and my yeah. mom and stepdad were watching basic instinct and yeah. I go, Oh, I've seen this. Oh. And they go, what? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I saw this with dad like a month ago. <laughs> And like that was, but I don't think they even told told them anything. Like yeah. I just think that was a bookmark in their head of like, well, yeah. we're gonna have to deal with this in five years. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, here's the thing about it. You know, with my, I look back on my father. I have <clears throat> fond memories. You know, initially it was my father. People were very down on my father. He was the reason everything was wrong. You know. Yeah. Uh, and then as I got older, I realized my, my mom contributed to that too. <laughs> yeah. But then sometimes I got, it's just a difference in attitude. Sometimes you just got to realize. Hello, <laughs> Larry. It's just two different, two different eras. But but then I realized I'm really nailing these drops. When, when I was, <laughs> when I was able to forgive my parents for being messed up, that was a big. I saw them in a much more realistic light. It was a real threshold for yeah. me. It's the truth. I'm telling you. Get my early 30s is when that finally happened, and and a lot of the power they had over me just totally went away. And I kind of realized, well, this is my life. Right. I, I mean, they, they could have done a better job. I haven't forgotten that. I mean, there's a certain effect, you know, but but I can't sit there By the and way, hate them. That's going you know? on the board. What? You going, this is my life. <laughs> <laughs> this is my life. That's going on the board, baby. But I'm telling you, this Mrs. America, I've binge watched. I've watched all four episodes. And it's about the ERA yes movement and then the stop ERA movement headed up by Phyllis Schlafly. And the, the right wing story, I find that... It's like wrestling. It's the heel. <laughs> and, and, and the last episode they have, what they do is they have an episode just called uh, Betty for Betty Friedan, you know, who wrote uh, whatever, Feminine Mystique. And then they have like an episode called Gloria. It focuses on Gloria Steinem. And one of it's Phyllis Schlafly. Well, the last week was Betty's, you know, and she has to go debate Phyllis Schlafly what a, at Illinois State. That name State. just does not pop with the rest of them. Phyllis Schlafly. Gloria Steinem. Like they got like poetry to them. Then there's yeah. like Phyllis Schlafly. Well, yeah. Well, she and, and it sounds like some and, bitch that yells at you for fucking, you must my bushes. <laughs> What? I mean, yes, you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. And what, what, what political side of the spectrum does she represent? You think, Keith? Probably the right. Yes, yeah. I mean, she is the voice. Probably I mean, she hadn't is the had, voice. Probably hadn't anyone touch her schlafly. No, in years. no, no, no. Actually, quite the opposite. She, she had six kids, and and she was a very pretty woman, a striking woman. You know, and her husband was a, was a Harvard educated attorney. I mean, they were extremely Big old successful. Dick on the, them. They're the reason why Illinois didn't pass the ERA. You know, I mean, they they it was like the main northern state to not pass it. I mean, Dude. she was against it, but a lot of it goes back to her fear of nuclear war and communism because she was one of these people that had a fucking fallout shelter. It's like, Jesus Christ. I mean, the defensive nature of it, but she makes arguments that are like, like she goes and debates Betty, Betty at, at Illinois State 
and and it, she wins the debate because she gets Betty Friedan to just fucking I want to burn you at the stake. Nice. I mean, like say really harsh things to her. Tropic, but she on. totally goes after her and just like and one day, lady, talking to girls, one day you're going to be middle aged and completely alone and like looking right at Betty Friedan, talking about her life. She goes directly at her life, which is you know. Uh, women have the capacity to do that. <laughs> That's the way they argue, and they can get pretty to the core. And, and it broke her. And, and then Phyllis Schlafly kind of she got more of a national reputation as a result of that too. But she was uh, she made the point of like appreciate your youth now, women. Appreciate your youth because you know something you're not always going to have it. I mean, she was giving like you know th- these are the waters that women have to maneuver in. You know what I mean? She was stating things that are like this is part of the reality. You know, she also has to deal with sexual harassment, and the way that she deals with it is she's just a master deflector. She just deflects, deflects, deflects. That that's a, but she's getting like, you know, hit on by like congressmen and stuff. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm going off. Do you know how hard it is to be a total drip and fucking hot at the same time? (laughs) You don't know the plight. (laughs) What of, of, uh, my pussy is so dry and so tight. Well, no, she was, but she's like, well, it's interesting because she's also got this sister. They made the sub character. That's totally interesting. Who's an old maid. She's a spinster. She never got married and she lives with their family because she's like maternal she brings her mother back i mean they have this wealthy mansion out in the western suburbs you know but very religious i mean very catholic practicing catholic and uh and you know and she's just like you know yeah basically you need a man for survival is essentially part of the whole thing too you know so it is i'm telling you it's interesting it's interesting. I think oh, we're, we're watching fucking Tropic, Tropic Thunder. Thunder. That's great. They got blackface and they say retard in it. They do. <clears throat> so yeah, Robert it, it, Downey. Yeah. That's how great Iron Man is. Robert Downey escaped the blackface of Tropic Thunder. He put, so to give uh, my girlfriend who's in the room context. In this movie, Robert Downey plays. They're all actors who have to go to a <laughs> war torn country and they think they're filming a movie, but it's really a real war. Yeah. And <laughs> Robert Downey plays this actor who just. He's like a method actor, and he has he, to play. He's actually supposed to be Russell Crowe, actually. Yeah. Supposed to be Russell it's, Crowe. Russell Crowe is supposed to play it. Yeah. So his whole thing is he's playing a black soldier. So he wears blackface the whole movie, and he talks like this. Oh, yeah. I mean, he has like a black voice. And then Ben Stiller's character just came off a role where he played Simple Pete, which <laughs> is basically Forrest Gump. And there's a scene where Robert Downey Jr. in blackface goes, Hey, you know why that movie was good? You went full retard. <laughs> and it was a controversy at the time, but all they had to do was be like, oh, we're sorry. And then they went on and made Marvel movies and were like, okay, we love you now. Well, yeah. No, listen, I thought his acting was great. I thought Downey Jr. was great. In With this. all that aside, He's great. all He's that aside, great even, even if you're someone who is sensitive to that stuff, I Tropic Thunder is fucking hilarious yeah it's a fantastic oh, it's movie it's a completely good comedy tom cruise comedy. kills it in it he's great tom cruise is great as les grossman like the, the jew producer he's well, hilarious my favorite scene is when ben stiller he's they all they all know it's real yeah and he's just like this is all just fake guys <laughs> and he picks up a severed head and finger fucks it and all the brains come out of it and they're all just like oh my god did you think this is real? Yeah, because it is who. Yeah, Downey Jr. is actually was, he's supposed to be mocking, uh, mocking Russell Crowe. Actually, like that, that's part of the whole subtext too. Is they're, they're taking the shit out of certain actors in Hollywood at that time. Like the yeah. Chris Jack Black is supposed to be actually mocking Chris Farley. 
That that's very much their, that's the their fat, dig. lovable yeah, yeah, dummy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The guy who farts all the time. That, that yeah. was the farting family, whatever it was. So they 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 mocked that. I think it's I and think then it's one Alan of Stiller's underrated movies. And then the dude, the British guy. It's no next of kin. It's no next of kin. And then but, the British. Well, it's no Chinatown. Uh, and then the, that's what it, we're going to say for every movie. Anytime someone is just like, oh, this movie's great, I just go, it's no Chinatown. <laughs> Which is a great movie. Did you actually get the chance to truly sit down and watch it? Try to watch Chinatown Pillar I'll to Post. I'll sit down. Yeah, Pillar to Post. Yeah, it's slow. Dude, that incest really fucking catches you off guard. Oh, dude, dude. It, it is. I mean, there are reveals throughout it that are fucking good. That are good, I think. I think it's amazing. It's just fun it's to weave script. such a politically tight story into the concept of him just doing it because he wanted to just keep fucking his granddaughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and like yeah, that's definitely one of the reasons why. Really, it yeah. legitimately is. Yeah, no, I know. I, oh yeah, listen, that that was when film was allowed to have those. It it had very much. A, it was like Hitchcock noir was sort of its uh, genre, if you will. That's the way I define it. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I know what I'm talking about. But you got to watch Mrs. America. I think you'd enjoy it. Do you know it. what we watched? No. Uh, we watched Waco. All six ooh, episodes ooh, of Waco. Ooh, oh, that's interesting. How was that? Tim Ring- Dude, that was fucking good. Dude, that's one of those things. Ruby Ridge and Waco. A lot of that Unabomber shit. You, you watch all of it now, and you're like, they were fucked up people. But I get it. Like, when you learn, like, how they blew Ruby Ridge and oh, so many yeah. people died. Yeah, and, yeah. like, they totally murdered those people in Waco. Yeah, they were yeah. crazy psychos that yeah. were armed up, but like, that's murder, dog. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. Because And I was telling the, and her. And that's what this country does to the rest of the globe, ladies I and gentlemen, the United States time. of America. Well, here's what's you know? <laughs> more hardcore about it to me is like, that's not even, I could see if the military came in. That's like local Texas government doing that shit. Oh, no. There, there was an FBI ATF dimension to it. And it's just like, that being said, uh, that dude was a straight up sociopath oh, cult leader. I mean, armed to the teeth. Like, but the show he was going to do. I mean, he, you know, the he first the shit, first yeah. scene of the first episode. That's how well the show encapsulates the fifty two days or whatever. Yeah, the show starts with him running out, going, "There's women and children in here. There's women," and then they just they just light him up, dude. Yeah. Like yeah. they fired first, dude. Like he came out and was surrendering. And was like, there's women wow, and children in here. That, 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 that narrative is, uh, you know, we can go back See, and look and at this that. is what I was telling her. When I was growing up, I remember Waco is one of my first solid Early memories. Early politi- political memories. Or just memories. Yeah, like, I remember yeah. that shit. And I remember people talking about it. And, and you remember the Oklahoma City bombing, oh, I assume, yeah. too. They, and yeah. I remember my dad would, like, my dad always made good references. Like, anytime. Uh, there's this street in Chicago called Ogden Avenue and it oh, runs yeah. diagonal across the Absolutely. city. So Absolutely. anytime anything in our house was crooked or out of place, he would be like, "What's it's Ogden Avenue in here. Yeah. <laughs> he always had these little local references. And I remember anytime the room was a mess, he would just be like, it's fucking Waco in here. <laughs> like I remember that reference early on. Yeah, absolutely. But I remember my parents treating it like, Oh yeah, just a cult. They got what was coming to them. Like I yeah. very much remember the tone of it being like, yeah, it they yeah. killed them, but whatever. Yeah. No, there's a story there. Obviously, obviously, there's a fucking. Back well, what story the story is is they literally the way they attacked the building is, and I don't know if they dramatized this, but they well, tra- they, they trapped all those women mm-hmm. and children in there. Like the way they bulldozed the building, they collapsed the building on the door of the safe where all the women and children were. Yeah. And, like, even the ATF and the FBI realized their fuck-up halfway through. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And then know. it's still debatable. No one will admit, like, the ATF says it, it was a suicide, that they set the building on fire. And the, the few survivors of the uh, Waco people... Yeah. They say that it was the a branch reaction. Davidians. Of, it was a reaction of the tear gas that they yeah. were. Oh yeah, well the tear gas actually started the fire. Yeah, yeah. See, but they, the ATF they didn't know that. to this day, the that. FBI and the ATF will not admit yeah, that. Well, they're wrong. They're wrong on that. They, I mean, they uh, it, it's still classified as a mass suicide. You know. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's. All I know is that Timothy McVeigh was there, and from that he bombed the Oklahoma City uh, building. I remember they wanted to that. Do three more, and it's like uh, you've taken that in a different direction, my friend, uh, and, and that that is inappropriate. You, know, you can't do that. That's a no no. But you know what? A lot you of know? those psychopaths got right. If you read a lot of, I was listening to this. <laughs> what they got right? <laughs> they all warned of how how fucking wild technology was going to make people. Like if you read a lot of their manifestos, they all say every one of them yeah. technology is going to get out of control. And it's going to cause, it's going to fuck society up. Yeah. And in that point, you're like, well, they're right. Like, yeah, that, well, that's know. true. Yeah. Like that, Chris Condren, a, a buddy, we, uh, one yeah. of our comic friends, yes. he said something that blew me away. We were just drunk in a bar one time. Yeah. And he was just like, you know why all this Facebook shit happens, all these arguments? He was like, technology's advancing at a, he goes, technology evolves faster than human emotions. Yeah. He yeah, was like, human, we're, human we're literally not ready. For yeah. all of this mass communication, like we're not ready to communicate with the world. It's yeah, yeah. It, it, it is babble. It is babble. You know what I mean? Like in a biblical, it just it just seems like it's just kind of white noise. And people's how they again. I, I've gone to talked about before how people define their identity. It's tied up in their freaking computer and their online thing. And I just find that you're not engaging with life in, My in a more authentic is this way. Microphone, man. I mean, am I am I off? I mean, no, no, no. And I even I'm sucked into it a little bit. I mean, I just try to post jokes and then make Dude, a. Pol- I, I spout off politically every once in a while. Well, and it gets deeper know? than like online profiles. That's why people there are people that go crazy. They get stalked and shit. They online. live in video games, dude. Do you know what yeah. The Sims is? Oh yeah, yeah. Where like Sim City was this game where you build a city, exactly. and then they had Sim Earth, Sim Carnival. But now they just got The Sims, where you build a life, you build your house, you marry people. There are people who s- just waste away they sit they work from home they make millions of dollars in it or whatever the fuck and then they sit at home and they don't interact with people they interact with their friends through the sims hey let's all do a land sims game they fuck they get they get married they take all of the shit that they don't know how to do in real life i don't know how to talk to women i'll have my sim get married and i'll have like and it compensates for that and then they go out into the world and that's why people don't know how to handle getting bullied yeah, and they yeah. don't know how to handle failure because yeah. they can just program their fake life. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, and this is a fundamental difference and not like I'm a together guy. I obviously have my neuroses and issues and shit, but, but in the way I was raised and be, it was like, it just is a different thing to me. I mean, yeah, you got bullied and it sucked, but eventually you had to sort of deal with it. I, I felt like it was before the technological explosion. I'm not pro-bullying. I just think yeah. it's... Oh, kind, no, of course. I'm not I think, I think saying But that you have to deal with I shit just, like that like, sometimes, I just man. don't think it's something you know? that's ever going to be gone from the world. Like, no, it's, it's not. Like saying, it's like trying to tell people not to be jealous. Yeah, like it's, it's Being, being yeah. mean to people is an innate human reaction. Yeah. Like You just got to be able to know when it's for real and when you should clock someone in their fucking jaw yeah or when it's just like whatever man like yeah people get you know i mean and everyone gets hurt and you know and it's like you want to try to avoid getting hurt 
that, that was another thing that Phyllis Schlafly makes the point in, in, Mrs., in Mrs. America, totally good point, where she's just like, do you think you're going to legislate happiness? You're going to just, oh, all of a sudden you're going to be equal and everyone's going to be in this panacea of happiness? No, you're still going to have to deal with your life, you know, which is like... Well, there will just be different forms of, you know. of strife. Yeah. Like if ever, that's the thing. Like yeah. if you take, quote unquote, take the hate out of the world, there will just be new forms of hate yeah, the, on it, different it, levels. Yeah, yeah. In a way, it, it's integrating that into your whole personality and not letting it dominate it. You know, that, that, that's because you have to realize you have these impulses. Also, sometimes you know? it's healthy to be like, dude, fuck that guy. Yeah. yeah. Like to just quietly be like, I hate these people. Yeah. Right <laughs> now, this person in front of me is the worst. I want Here's you where the to explosion die. goes on because they're going to shoot the scene yeah. in Tropic Thunder. And this, this is the is director. Where, this is where everybody mm-hmm. kind of realizes that it's a real fucking yeah. shit. Yeah. He blows up. <laughs> He played scene. that guy played a famous British. What's his name? It's oh, not, he's been in a bunch it's not of stuff. Alan Cumming, but but wasn't he in like not twenty four hour party people or um, it, it was some like uh, God a damn British uh, I music hate that movie. I did Rick, you know something. Let me look up the cast. But it's interesting. I I, uh, I mean it's it's all it also misses the point. The ERA it almost passed, man. It almost passed. Which, the fact that it almost passed. It almost passed the Mendoza line, you know. But it didn't happen. You know, so this is, it's, because out of the gate, man, all these Steve states. Steve Coogan. Approved, yeah, all these, all these states approved it right away, you know, and then it, but then it just slowly petered out. Uh, and the Roe v. Wade was just the decision that was announced. And like Phyllis Schlafly is like, they're winning, they're winning. You know, I mean, she was like, you know, that like Roe v. Wade, truly, that, 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 that was the last of the true great, like kind of quote unquote progressive decisions that the court did because they had like Brown versus the board of education. They had the, the decision to get school prayer out of, out of schools, which the Christian right was Crack. apoplectic about. They didn't, they didn't exist yet. Christians weren't involved in civic life. So, and then abortion getting passed by the Supreme court or not passed, but being approved by the Supreme court. It's just all these decisions happen and it really energized the right. And boy, they got behind uh, stopping the ERA. That was not going to happen. You know, civil rights stuff was discombobulating to their sensibilities too. So it just, uh, it's good. It's well thought out, you know, but the, the, I mean, I don't know. It's when I compare to life then when I was a kid, how I saw things being a teenager and how it is now, it's, there's a. Still a lot of the same issues, same, same issues I was dealing with back then. But I do find the online Here he goes. He fingers odd. his head, babe. Look. <laughs> he's trying to, he's like, you think this is, you think this is real? This is fake blood. This is fake blood. Now he's slowly realizing it, I think. But they're also like this, they're like, these guys are crazy. Like the enemy actually yeah, fears enemy, him a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh that's so great and then there's Downey Jr. in blackface in the back I don't know if you saw him there he is see him yeah yeah this movie is not woke it's fucking hilarious it's so funny dude I, I, I don't this whole woke thing too it's like the fact that this is where the argument is is so weak to me your points well, are here's totally the thing, well though. taken here's what Racism I will say is, you know, here's what I will say I get I think there just needs to go about it a different way you can acknowledge that, yes, it was kind of an insensitive character, yeah. and now you can't make this movie anymore, but I don't like the retroactive, like, dem- like yeah. now 
like the retroactive banning of the movie. Like, yeah. Yeah. don't take away how good it did. It yeah. was that's one of because then you're taking away all of the movies. What if there's someone you like that was inspired by that movie? Yeah. And then yeah. now because you want to take away Tropic Thunder, now everything that some now if anybody who was inspired by that movie now by default their pieces of shit because yeah, well, they I were inspired that. by blackface. You know, uh, here's the thing about it. Again, I, I've gotten to a point that I just don't care what. I don't say I don't care what they think. But it's more just like, I know what I am in this world. I have done things. This whole woke culture, too. Go out and get involved in something. I just don't do like that. Do something. I just don't, don't just, like that and it pointing can't... someone out and, and calling them out for being a racist is like not social activism. I just don't it's like just that it not. can't end at like, yeah, that was kind of fucked up. Sorry. And then like, all right, we're done. Yeah. Like there's no, but like, you're not writing great historical wrongs by calling someone out for that. That's not where the argument is that you got to deal with some real economic justice here. I mean, there are, there's an institutional historical momentum to what goes on in the ghetto and and, and areas like that. I mean, there's a, you know, it's just, it's not, you got to get that Elvis song to drop for that. By you calling someone out, it wasn't like, wow, you know something now a child in South LA has a better chance of making it in the world. It's just like, what are you doing? What are you and so if people call me out for anything, fuck off. I was woke when you were swimming in your dad's bag, so fuck off. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I worked for an organization that was founded by Martin Luther fucking King. Because I remember, goddamn you. Because I remember, fucking did it and testified even recently, and even like even with the Robert Downey character, I remember someone said they were like, "Well, why couldn't they have just gotten a black guy to do it?" And it's just like because the character is a white guy. Yeah, it's supposed like, to be that. It's, it's, it's how ridiculous he is. He's ridiculous for doing if that. It wasn't That's that, why it's funny. It would just be some. B- it would just be a token black character at that point. Exactly. Exactly. That is germane to his character. Yeah. You know, like, it's relevant. You know, he, it's, it, it reveals his ridiculousness. You know, how do people not see that they were playing that tongue in cheek? No, but you know what it is? And I, and I understand this thing too, because I don't, it's the idea of like when everybody else has a different, differing thing, like. It's just people that they don't like it because it was successful. If Tropic Thunder came out and was a and, complete and flop and tanked, they wouldn't talk. Then about they it. wouldn't talk about yeah. it. But it's the idea that they look back at it and they were like, "What people like this? Yeah. I can't believe this movie made money." Yeah. <laughs> They're all and indignant. Then that gets do people them get upset. that way about this movie? Are they that upset about this? Well, movie? that's what causes the outrage of like, "Wait, you mean this was popular?" When it came out, you're like, yeah, like I get times change, but like, yes, this movie was a mass success. Everybody loved Tropic Thunder when it came out. Of course. Because, and I just find, again, I find their arguments, uh, it's just, um, I don't think you're really getting to the root of the issue when, when you're making it just about kind of the language. I get it when there's overt racism. You kind of, oh, mammy, oh, Lord, yeah. I'm out there, though. Well, that's what it was back then. That's what they would say. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like that would be their yeah. comeback. As a, they're sort of doing it. It's like, boy, it seems like you're kind of splitting hairs at this point. You know? It's almost I mean, those like, were like characters who were like, well, you ever watch Gone with the Wind? You ever watch Gone with the Wind? Yeah. The, 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 uh, the, there's the, some of the black characters in there. It's just like the way they are treated, it, it's literally like, like an animal. And that is still... Like, or with, a pet. You know what I mean? Like, oh, look at Joe. Dude, I still think here. it's wild that with inflation, with and without inflation, it's still the highest grossing movie of all time. Well, it's not. I mean, you don't know what you're saying when you no, say that. No, but it, that if you take what in it made... In real dollars. If you real take dollars, what it made yeah. and then inflate that to what yeah. it is now, it's Re- like a billion dollars. That's the better way of describing yeah. it. Yes. No, absolutely. It's so a huge either way, it's the highest grossing film of all time. Like, even with, like... It wouldn't be a podcast episode without mentioning a certain Amanda Rip, 
that that was her favorite book of all time was gone with the I've wind. never seen the movie or read a page of the book and I have the book. <laughs> it's that's one of the books that's always at who a thrift is it? store. Margaret Mitchell or something or who I don't even remember that author. Gone name. with the wind is always in the book section at a thrift store. <laughs> gone with the wind, Peter Benchley books. Uh, yes, the Jaws, the Jack Deep. Ryan novels. Yeah, any yeah. those are the books that people give away. They read them. Fucking Robert <laughs> Patterson, all that bullshit. Yeah, that caliber of here's Danny McBride, right? Yeah, yep. this is an early Danny McBride. Yep, he was, uh, you know. Nolte was kind of funny in this, I thought. You know, he's being yeah, kind of Yeah, he was coming actor. off Hulk when he did the, yeah. the fucking angly Hulk. Well, he was doing... God damn it, bro. They were doing, like, epic theater in that. Like, like old, like, Brechtian theater scenes. Like, the like the, like the, the, uh, the the spotlight, the bright spotlight when he's, like, isolated. You know, and he's having his conversation with yeah. his son, I think. But anyway... Want to take uh, a break? Yeah, we should take a break. Take a this break, and then good. we'll get into the second yeah. half. How, how much do we do? How much time? We got 48 minutes. Cool. Yeah. All right. Taking a break. Yep. Who's done? Well, hello, Larry. You talk to people all day for a living. It's got pop to it. Absolutely. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> McLean hey, Stevenson. Absolutely. One of his many failed sitcoms. From LA. He quit MASH for this. That was always a theme. Or did he quit MASH for another show? Well, he quit. I think he quit MASH for different shows. He had a litany of faith. He could never get another sitcom to hit after MASH. And he tried to do it with several. And this was like his second or third attempt to make. Because it was probably two or That's three years. That's the way it is with kids today. <laughs> Yeah, it's a generational thing, you know. It's a it's Frazier before Frazier. I think he was like a radio yeah, guy. He is. Like He's call, like a like a Colin. Yeah. yeah. I love that theme. A theme in sitcoms when they based a show in a city. Like that was fundamental to the identity of the show. All right, this show will be in Minneapolis. It'll be the Mary Tyler Moore show. Well, yeah, even Frazier, the intro had like the Seattle skyline behind it. Absolutely. Like that was a big... I mean, it's still like what you do, right? You have to base it in a city, a show you're writing. Anyway, welcome back, guys. That's how we sail back in. We say hello. We say hello on this podcast. Exactly. It's good to be back, people. Thank you all for listening. Those, Those of you who are listening, we appreciate it. We get it. We, You know what I've realized? More people listen, like... We get a solid 30 week of, and then as the weeks go on, like old episodes, like people will listen to shit from years ago. Wow. You know, well, it's Like the old episodes have like hundreds of listens. (laughs) We we got a little bit of a, yeah, we got a little bit of a following here, man. What the hell? I I feel like I I just got to be better with it. You know what it is? We got to get video and we got to get on our clip game. Because it's the attention span thing. You yeah. got to get them in with little one minute bites, clips, and stuff. And then they'll be like, "Well, I'll put now. I'll put the whole thing on while I clean the house or some yeah. bullshit." Like, yep. you gotta. We have to be more likable, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we're not likable. Just a couple of old, an older nerd and a younger nerd. Yeah. Talking about their actually, you know something? I'm probably more of a dork than. Did a you nerd. see the Shape of Water? That's on Fox FX movies right now. No, I have not. It's just where I think it's that's where the lady falls in love with the sea monster. Oh, oh! I, didn't this win? It the won Oscar? the Academy Award, dude. I thought this was just a sequel to Hellboy. <laughs> yeah, because what's his face? Uh, he g- plays a fish Del monster Toro. in that. Is, yeah. Is, yeah, there's yeah. A, literally the character, the monster they use in this is so similar to the professor, like the British 
in the movie Doctor Hellboy. Doctor Who or something? Well, oh, no, oh, in oh, the no, movie no. Hellboy, there's oh. a character that's so similar to this. Interesting. And it's the same dude. Del Toro made both of them. Absolutely. Have you ever seen Pan's Labyrinth? You know, I never have. The movie's the fucking shit, dude. It, it, it's that good. That movie, Kronos, is good. Uh, there's also one, I forget what it's called, but it's about an old Civil War town from like the Spanish Civil War, and it's this village... And it's got an undetonated bomb in the middle of it, and it's about this demon possessed kid. It's it's really terrifying. What, 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 what is that? What's that? Let me see. What's let the me, show called? Let me look it up. This is an old Del Toro movie. Oh, oh okay, interesting. Yeah, like a kid who is he fascinated by the bomb and wants to see it go off. Or no, something? it's uh. You'll find that shit in Europe. I think to this day, they have like bombs in the Second World War. They're just out in the field somewhere. It just didn't blow up, yeah. you know. And the kid, every once in a while, farmer steps on him, blows up. Kronos is good too. Didn't Guillermo del Toro do fucking uh, the uh, Stargate? No, who did the first Stargate? God, that's a good. God, he would have been young then. I don't remember his his sort of on. Uh, he did Pinocchio, The Devil's Backbone. <laughs> yeah, he definitely had a horror, <clears throat> a horror movie. The film is set in Spain, nineteen thirty nine, during the final year of the Spanish Civil War. Oh yeah. Uh, it operates a small home for orphans in a remote part of Spain during the Civil War. Yeah, and this lady comes to like help out with the kids, and there's this one weird little fucking kid. Yeah, and I think you find out he's like a spirit or some bullshit. It's huh. really terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can. I mean, the Spanish Civil War. But I remember being annoyed that in Pan's when Pan's Labyrinth was getting because you know how, and I don't know why they do this is they make a kind of small press award show out of the nominations. Like yeah. morning of, they'll have yeah. some fucking celebrity come read the nominations. Exactly. There'll be like <clears throat> 20, 25 reporters in the audience, something like that. Yeah. They got Selma Hayek to do the nominations, and she was milking it so hard. With her MS, you mean? Every, no. Oh. With like, oh. because <laughs> Guillermo del Toro is fucking Mexican or whatever yeah, the fuck. Yeah. He's, he's Latinx. Yeah. So she was just jerking off. So she was being more... It's like she was openly being more excited whenever that would get. I just, I was just like, oh my god, we get it. You're happy that you're people. Yeah. I remember be, at the time being annoyed by it. Like little kid, Selma was Hayek like, doing that. You mean? Yeah, because yeah, okay, she yeah. was just like Pen's Labyrinth, and I remember being like, shut the fuck up. Uh, we get it. You speak Spanish. You know, like, <laughs> oh my god, just announce the fucking movies. <laughs> you're dealing with performers, Keith. These are not emotionally oh. stable grounded and the nomination is i always got annoyed by her like i like i don't mind an you accent you can say this by the way because you you are half mexican correct oh 100 yeah, percent. i get yeah. on my mom 100 half i yeah. get i get on my mom for what i'm about to get on salma hayek for yeah you are you have been you don't talk like that yeah my mom grew up in the suburbs of fucking chicago <laughs> whenever she rolls an r or tries to i'm just like let's back off julie like you're from this you don't talk like that i saw hayek's been in the united states for nigh on 50 years now she might have even been born here you don't talk like you're a maid from fucking guadalajara shut the fuck up it's fake you don't talk like that <laughs> Again, you're dealing with perf oh Michael Shannon's in this. Is that him? I think so. Yeah, Michael Shannon, man, he's you know, he's a Steppenwolf guy. But yeah, it, it just uh, um, um, I'll even yeah, that. but just admit that you're doing it. Don't <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. pretend like you talk like that still. Yeah. Like you're not. Yeah. You're. It's insincere. It's so insincere. Yeah, 
It's I know glib. people from Mexico that don't talk like Hol- that. Hollywood's very glib. If uh, if there's one adjective that would describe Los Angeles, would you say grounded is one of them? <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. Would you say? Uh, uh, gr- what is your sense now? You've been you've been here for a good solid year and a half, yeah. two years. You're with your girlfriend here. I've been here over a year now. What's what's your take? I mean, this this whole coronavirus thing is definitely it's dominant now, so it's kind of hard to have perspective. You know what? My overarching thing, and I've told her about this. Every all the whole like we love everything and everyone in L.A. It's all horseshit. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it's a to- it's a total show. There are some people I know a handful of people. Her being one of them, and a couple people in my family that are like truly good people that yeah. like will go donate time like i remember her telling us like we're taking an immigrants if we have to like we're like she like i know people and my other cousin like yeah have taken in homeless people and immigrants like i know good people yeah but the whole like anytime i see someone on tv now with the stop the hate sign (laughs) and like protesting at an immigrant rally i'm just like dude shut the fuck up yeah like go free your immigrant maid (laughs) <laughs> that cleans your fucking mansion. And like, and like, what about the immigrants that voted for Trump? There's yeah. some Trump supporters yeah. that are immigrants. Yeah. <laughs> like it's all blinders. Like it's, it's like they advocate for people who think just like them, who yeah. have just as much money as them. It's all, it's all bullshit, dude. Yeah. They all, everyone out here treats homeless people like fucking trash. Yeah. <laughs> this, like I, they do everywhere. Our yeah. neighborhood is unregulated. I guarantee you our neighborhood has, substantial amounts of undocumented coronavirus because they just don't they don't lock down these parks they just let the homeless people run rampant they don't regulate mass people are playing weekend soccer games at fucking like (laughs) they don't care dude like they just like well there's homeless people in that neighborhood so whatever yeah like we'll just let it fester we'll let it that's i think that's probably that that's where the dollar goes you know here's one thing too the whole culture around like uh this kind of fundraising culture or like oh you know cause kind of culture you know just like we're gonna raise money for this which of course is in theory a good thing to do you want to do that but there's a whole infrastructure around it where the administrative costs of these of these programs the money that more money needs to get to the victims you know and so oh yeah but people get paid on the trough so there's an industry behind it like literally i think a very small percentage of the money donated actually gets to people at katrina or got to people at katrina or i whatever still else. don't get non-profits how oh, people say that they I run a non-profit, but a non-profit. like, but you're making a profit. Like, yeah, how it, are you fucking pay? How are you putting food on your fucking table? It, it is. Oh, this is a good moment. I can now express my knowledge. It feels good. I can. Well, like uh, if you're uh, like, a non-profit, are you broke? It, no, it, it, is, it is. A, it is a tax status. It, you're taxed differently. You know, so you still have to make money. They don't call it a profit. They call it a surplus. It's basically your income minus your expenses. That's what it is. The place I work at, we got we saw our books right before we were told to go home to work six weeks ago, you know, and, and they showed, hey, the books are solid. You know, we've got because they almost went belly up in 08. 
So, and they're a nonprofit. The, the profit is actually a surplus. Well, then, you know, we had a surplus of $8 million last year, which is decent for an organization our size. And that just means you're tucking that away. That's going in a treasure well, chest. And what was interesting, they actually talked about that. They talked about what the priorities are with that money. What are they going to try to do? Some lending things they want to try to do with it. I mean, that there is some community development uh, entrepreneurial yeah. kind of ship going on there. <clears throat> But 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 they are that is a nonprofit. We don't have stockholders. You give the dividend to or something like that. Yeah. You know, so its legal de- de- designation is different. But it's a nonprofit. It's still we're 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 doing real estate development. We do real estate development, like someone making homes or making buildings downtown. We are the the group behind it, saying for this purpose we want to do real estate development and for affordable housing. So we have to work with contractors and architects and subcontractors sometimes and owners representatives on site and dealing with construction draws and like implementing a building and just the whole the complexity of all of that we're dealing with as a nonprofit but it's just we don't we're not a for-profit so yeah it's just it's different designation anyway. so it's called the surplus no 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 no, no don't don't anyway this because this is actually oh relevant. no i'm just saying i'm giving some knowledge I'm to saying the buffoons who listen my whole to thing i'm just saying like stop pretending like people who like they're like people use like well i run a nonprofit. As like, oh, well, like, yeah. oh, sorry, I didn't know you had angel wings underneath your clothes. Well, yeah, there. yeah. There's a whole. It's you know, and what's interesting about the. Whole I run thing a nonprofit. Too, the so. whole, the whole notion that the not from my experience working for for profit J.P. Morgan Chase as for profit as you get, working for state agencies, Wisconsin Housing Economic Development Authority, Illinois Housing Development Authority, working for local government, the city of Chicago, running my own business, and then working for two different nonprofits, I have found the work at nonprofits by far the most difficult. It's the most difficult because the staffing is, mu- you're understaffed and overworked. So you, well, you don't have Well, is there a limit? Like if you had a full staff, are you not, now we have to turn a fucking profit. No, no. We have to pay well, these cocksuckers. Yeah, 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 you still have to pay, pay make payroll. Yeah, yeah you're running but, a business. Well, I mean, from yeah, what I've, what I've been explained, from how it's been explained to me in the past, isn't that like for, nonprofits budget all that in, right? Don't, don't you say like, all right, we have seven employees and, yes. I, and this is how much they need to make. So like, Yep. it's all just it's not it's not a profit but it is budgeted in oh like, absolutely you have to you have to have books you get audited like everyone else when I worked for I worked for a nonprofit that used to lend to nonprofits so we would get seed money to other nonprofits because it's kind of an incubator of ideas for example in Detroit right now where they're flat on their back they have a whole kind of nonprofit culture that's just trying to do different things there. You know, oh, we're going to work with uh, uh, whatever, uh, soil management in, in, uh, in yeah. urban farming in Detroit. So we'll give them 500000 bucks to do that. You know, and then, and, but you have to get a profit. You have to get you know, payment back on your loans that you do. We just we basically do low interest loans, 3% loans as opposed to a 5 or 6% loan. Did you hear what, you know? did you hear what Bush is? Uh, what's her name? Laura Bush? No, Trump's, Trump's press secretary. Oh, what's, the, what's her God, name? I don't know. Uh, she was saying about Michigan, uh, she was like, basically it's ridiculous in Michigan. You can smoke your grass, but you can't go outside and cut your grass. Uh, yeah. Jesus. Cause we have to liberate well, Michigan. I don't know if you I, knew I that. I know. I know. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> intentionally doing that. Well, I don't want to go too far on the political path, but that, that, that is what a nonprofit. Right. Kind of, I mean, yeah, they have to budget for that. So, and frankly to hire people cause labor is an expense. It's a high expense. You have to just have a shitload of work going on. To make it feasible, but we get our money from uh, we apply for uh, loans to build these buildings, you know, uh, yeah. and, and we make money, we make a profit on the building being done. Call the developer. It'd be fee. hilarious if you were just like, no, but we get our money from we walk to a giant pyramid, <laughs> and we have to go inside of it and do battle with demons. <laughs> 
and then the Illuminati gives well, us shillings, and then we turn that like that. It is a battle sometimes to get money from these people, but it's just uh, you know the state puts some money out there. There's local money out there. Yeah. We, we deal with a bank. We deal with banks, and you have to get the financing to actually build the stuff. You know, so, and, and I'm more of a finance guy, and this has been a challenge. I feel yeah. like people who love capitalism probably just hear that word nonprofit, and they're just like, Ugh. no, well, no, 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 because because what are their wives going to do? What are the trophy wives going to do? They have to be in the nonprofit world. But the point is, there's this whole notion. There's this whole notion that like the nonprofit thing is that like, is such a fucking like millionaire wife thing. Oh, to absolutely. Do. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I yeah. have run a nonprofit where we put spines on on books. Well, oh, you look at the Gates Foundation. I mean, his wife is intimately involved with that. Now, they have enough money they can make a real impact. You know, yeah. he's been a voice of reason during this whole thing. He and Cuomo have been as much of a voice of reason compared to someone else we won't talk about. Well, wasn't Gates but, warning about a pandemic for years? Oh, pub, like world health and public health is like that is their. They want to try to eradicate malaria. That is a major undertaking. Malaria. Hey, we got AIDS. Mala- we pretty much nipped AIDS uh, in the bud. I mean, it, you know, it's crazy. So, but, but Fauci, but, shout out to Fauci. But my my work with We're nonprofits. Get some Fauci drops on this bitch. This whole notion, of, ooh, it's a touchy feely thing when you work for a nonprofit, and it's not that intense. No, no, it, it's actually probably more work because you're doing it with short staff. So yeah, then that ends my experiences right now. But we do all we we have to budget things and we have to get finance and money and you know and anyway. So that that that, that is a little bit of my work history. Fauci, uh, what about Doctor Phil following him up? You know, on Fox News, that 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 beacon of truth. Oh, is that they Fox flipped News. to Doctor Phil after Fauci? To yeah, get the well, rebuttal? he's a doctor too. He got doctor next he's to his doctor. name. Well, we gotta listen to him too. What are we gonna do? We can't go Bill, out and Bill Cosby go is more of a doctor than Doctor Phil. God, well, you know people drown in swimming pools. That's my that's my uh, Bill Clinton doing Doctor Phil. Dude, it's you know? kind of the same voice. It is. If you, yeah, it's it's the same impression. You know. That's that old Robin Williams bit about how like doing George Bush was John Wayne with your balls being squeezed or something like that. <laughs> oh, Robin Williams. I know. Shout out for Robin. Look do you know, do you know who's was, talking. Do you know I was never that big of a fan of Robin Williams? You know what? Neither was I. And I know people I think who we've talked about this too. Robin I like Williams. his movies, but like his stand up is just too like I like I love the documentary about his life. Yeah, and I I, I get into people's journeys, but as yeah. far as like the nuts and bolts of his standup, I think he was funnier than his standup was. Yeah, like you, it's almost funnier watching him do interviews, and like I think him riffing when he's doing Good Morning Vietnam is yeah. funnier than some of his specials that he oh, did. Yeah, yeah, his I I just you know that manic energy, and I mean he I was a, like, he was a force though. There's no doubt about it. He was a force as a performer. No doubt about I it. I feel man. like I like him more when he gets one topic to focus on. Like when he's like when he's in Good Morning Vietnam, all his jokes are based on the Vietnam like War. Vietnam, like yeah. he's restrained in some way. That was at that time, man. Platoon. There was a whole Vietnam thing in Hollywood. Well, Those also, uh, the dude who did Good Morning Vietnam. It's uh, not who the fuck did Who was the director of that? Oh, yeah. Joel it's Silver fa- or something. No, right? it's, no. It's, a, it's a famous director. Schumacher. Schumacher. Not him. Jesus Barry Christ. Levinson. Yeah, I think it was Barry, Barry Levinson. Barry Levinson yeah. did it. And he knew a ton of stand-up comics. Barry Levinson was one of the first people to put stand-ups in movies. Because like, Barry yeah. Levinson put Paul Reiser in a flick. 
Diner. Diner. And Diner, absolutely. Diner yeah. was a huge movie. Didn't you say that's your... Because remember I was saying movies that like make you, bring you back to childhood. They like give you that like warm... You know, like you remember when you were watching it and I was like, what that movie for you? And you were like, you thought about it for a couple days because I remember I came back and you were like, Diner. I don't... I Diner. said Diner? Or you might have even said fucking... No, some uh, other movie. You might have even said, even though you don't like it, you might have said St. Elmo's Fire because <laughs> that was out at the time. Well, it, it was... When I was 16 years old, and, and just, that, that was when I finally hit puberty. Was when I, was, I was a little bit of a late bloomer. I always felt like I was behind the curve. St. Elmo's Fire does, know? I read the plot of it, like, in detail. Yeah. It seems like a slog, dude. It, like, it, it, it seems is. like it's good for pieces of it's it. It's terrible. But, like... It's a terrible movie. It just doesn't... It's terrible. It doesn't seem like it has a plot. Like, you start reading about it, yeah. and then you're like, okay, what's going to be the big, like, drama? And it just seems to be character problems yeah, the exactly. whole time. Yeah, exactly. That's like, all it is. This yeah. two, these two want to fuck each other. This one has a husband that slaps her around. This yeah. guy's too... This guy's rich, but hates being rich. This yeah. guy's poor, but wants to be rich. Yeah. Yeah, it, they're very like sort of one-dimensional characters, yeah. and it doesn't Rob come Lowe with that big lion's mane oh, in it. That's when he was like the shit. He was like a, gonna be a he's a stud actor, Rob Lowe. Like at one time, he and Tom Cruise were at the same level, but then Top Gun came out. You know how I got everything. into this because I looked up the Rat Pack or the Brat Pack. Oh yeah, the Brat Pack was and there were a teenager. like yeah. well because of the Outsiders, Tom Cruise yes. is considered a part of it. Because Rob Lowe is considered a part of the Brat Pack. Absolutely. So they have like a list of the movies that are considered Brat Pack movies. And they even say that like... Was Youngblood one of them? The hockey movie? Probably. Yeah. And I even think... But they put it... They say that like the real Brat Pack is Anthony Michael Hall, Judd Nelson, and fucking... uh, and, uh, Molly Ringwald and Emilio Estevez Emilio Estevez and probably Demi Moore was yeah. in that too actually you know and then it also I want to yeah. I think there's a documentary about it so the Brat Pack thing was basically do you know the story behind it uh, I, Dude, I'm check curious this out. I'm curious so I, I forget what years. magazine it was it must it was time or people life or some, I think some life bullshit and, yeah someone was following some Emilio, bullshit <laughs> someone was following Emilio Estevez around just like a day in the life of these young stud yeah. actors who are making all this money in these movies yeah and it went from being a piece about like uh, the life of Emilio of Emilio Estevez and his friends and they, yeah. they one night they went to this club and met up with Charlie Sheen, Anthony Michael Hall. All of them were there. Yeah. And from that moment, the writer started writing about their personal life, like without telling them. He just basically started huh. listening to conversations. And that's when he coined Brat Pack. And the tone of the article became like them being snooty and yeah. like cocky. Yeah. And they all basically said like, and the, the dude who wrote the article even regrets it. He was like, yeah, I shouldn't have written that. Like, yeah. it's a total invasion of privacy. I totally lied about what I was doing. I, I saw a juicier story as I was yeah. doing it, and I went with it. Yeah. And they all say, like, that ended our friendship. Like, we were all great friends yeah. before that. Like, we, we all thought we were just a part of something special. Oh, oh the and Brat then, Pack? And it, then that article, division. And then that oh. article came out calling them the brat pack and that caused they were like i haven't most of them haven't spoken to each other since really because they just wanted to distance themselves and it just recently in the last 10 years became like a term of endearment yeah like, i mean they, they it ruined a lot like, of their careers that, they that, would because they seemed as like oh they're those are those brats they're hard to deal with well i mean well they were certainly like the young hot actors mm -hmm. from like i'd say from like 
85 to like 87 was like the pinnacle of the Brat Pack. Yeah. That was the real t- There was a little bit before and a little bit after, but that was like their their height, you know, and the John Hughes movies definitely fed into that too, but they were trying to do more adult roles. I mean, St. Elmo's Fire was an attempt to then be like adult actor, like young adults dealing with their problems, man. Like, hey man, we're, we're going to deal with the world now. I'm 23. Things are tough, man. I got to get out there and deal with it. Or you can just do what I did, which is never mature. You can just remain a permanent twenty-three-year-old. So yeah, but yeah, I fucking mean, look who's talking, dude. Yeah, look who's talking. This movie too. makes Olympia me Dukakis. feel like a kid. Like I remember this movie was hot when I was like in kindergarten. Really? Yeah. Really? God, I'm. This old. brought back Travolta, didn't it? Yeah, Tra- Travolta had nothing going on for a while in the eighties because this yeah. was like ninety-one. Let me see if I nailed. That well, I think look, I think look was eighty-nine. Eighty-nine. It? It God 89? damn yeah. it! I knew it. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, that that was like his only hit movie for a while. You know, then they did Look Who's Talking too. Yep. And then they did Look Who's Talking Now, where the dogs talk. Ah. Uh. And you know who the dogs are? Danny DeVito, and Roseanne. God, are the pets? God. It's a. I think that's my favorite. I'm a fan of the shittiest sequel of stuff. Jaws Four, <laughs> Look Who's Talking Now, <laughs> Hot Shots Part de. Even though that's the only one, right? The bad sequel. No, no, I think there were two. Yeah. Wasn't there another? Yeah, there was another one. Yeah, those were bad. No, History of the World Part 1 is the one where there's no Part 2. Exactly. <laughs> that was Mel Brooks. If you watch that now, it is so fucking dated. It oh, is, yeah. It, it, the it, only Brooks bit, is starting to lose it at that point. The only He's starting bit, to lose it. The only bit that is still funny from that is when he comes down from the mountain and says, There I are know, 15. The 15. <laughs> <laughs> Ten commandments. commandments. <laughs> like it's a total like anti, like a religious taking the piss out of religion. Yeah. And that's hilarious, you know. But are you, the opening scene's pretty funny. It's like our ancestors. It's all those monkey guys jacking off for the first scene. Do you know what? Like, and this oh! is, <laughs> like, that was kind of funny. Dude, Mel Brooks has great, into, and Mel Brooks movies have awesome drop moments where like you can pull that out. In fact, I'm pulling Mel Brooks drops tonight. Yeah, yeah. My favorite Mel Brooks moment almost in a movie because my favorite Mel Brooks movie is Robin Hood Men in Tights. I just saw it at a perfect time. I was so bad. It's his last movie, I think. It's such a bad movie. <laughs> uh, intro to Dave Chappelle for me because yeah. Dave Chappelle's in it. Yep. Uh, two lines for the line from that at the end of it, they make Dave Chappelle the sheriff of Nottingham, and they so go. So it's just basically fucking blazing they go, saddles. Well, they go a black sheriff, and he goes, and why not? It worked in Blazing Saddles. <laughs> so he references it, but in Spaceballs, there's a scene. Where, uh, you know, the scene where Rick Moranis' character gets off and comb the desert, yeah, combing the desert, yeah, and they all have the giant combs and they go to two black people with a giant hair pick, pick. yeah, and they're and they go, We ain't found shit. (laughs) It's pretty funny. That is great, yeah. No, I remember that. Like, when I saw that in the theater, that got a big laugh from the audience, yeah, yeah, yeah. we ain't found shit. Combing the the desert, nothing, combing the desert, nothing. We ain't found shit. He always has a totally good, like, ethnic joke, like, which I like that about him. Like, young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles, of course, that, that is the pinnacle of his career. And Young Frankenstein, it's all just taking the piss out of like Germans and st- it's hilarious. Yeah, and it's the only way that like like a Jew could do it. Like he told, I mean, there's a whole Nazi. I, I love it when you have Nazi jokes. Also, he's Bert- able to do Nazi jokes. Or the producers is amazing for that. That 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 one scene in, in the producers where everyone's auditioning to play Hitler and they're all like it's all a bunch of Hitlers on, on a stage doing the salute. And stuff. And there's like fifty guys. I mean. How is that not funny? <laughs> How is that not a funny visual, you know, of seeing that? You know, as a kid, I did not know that Bruce Willis was the voice of the uh, kid in this. Shut. 
Travolta still looks good here. You know what I mean? He's still fit. He didn't get all <coughs> fat yet, you know? No, he did get a little chunky. Oh. Well, when you're flying that many planes. Well, well he was... Uh, he got he got some weight for uh for uh whatchamacallit in uh in in uh oh, not blazing saddle. Well, yeah. Crocious, when you free in your what body. Whatchamacallit, man, the fucking Tarantino movie that he got. When you free your body of all those Thetans. Pulp fiction. God Jesus Christ. When you free you your body him? of all those Thetans, <laughs> you can put take in so much more food because he's all he got cleansed <laughs> of all the bad energy. Of all the they, bad energy when he was becoming a sea org. <coughs> when, when he became into sea org status. Is he sea org? Oh, I'm is sure he, up he there? is. I'm sure he is. He he's meets the maker. But he, uh, yeah, he gets shown the. <laughs> but he, uh, he was in Pulp Fiction only five years later, and he gained a lot of weight. He, he was a good twenty-five to thirty pounds heavier. Probably was doing opioids. He probably you know? was on the pills. That's something we're watching right now. Is the pharmacist? We're on like episode two or three. It's basically about this dude whose his son gets it takes place in uh, Saint Bernard Parish, just outside of New Orleans, like oh, yeah. between the Ninth Ward and downtown New Orleans. Yeah, and his Tough son, area. his son gets killed by a crack in the Lower Ninth Ward. And this dude, like, when someone dies in the Lower Ninth Ward, they just treat it like, oh, it's some fucking drug dealer got killed. Yeah. Like, they don't try and solve it. So this dude, like, annoyed people and got got money together. He solved his kid's murder. Wow. And then through that, after he solves his kid's murder, that's like episode one of the thing. Yeah. And then he's a pharmacist in town and he starts noticing all these young kids coming in with Oxycontin, like high level Oxycontin prescriptions. Yeah. And then he starts asking him like, well, what's wrong with you? And he tries to, and then you're going to find out that he basically tracks it down to this one lady doctor who was putting her license on the line and giving people bunk fucking Oxy shit and he get, goes deep and he tracks it down and like the FDA starts following him like yeah. and it's basically about how the pharmaceutical industry will fucking follow you and shut your life down if you try and like fucking uh, rattle their cage. I mean it is well they've made a nation of addicts the, the demand is inelastic you know it should be illegal. They show you uh, know? news stories about how like on legit news like nighttime news they would talk about how Oxycontin was a wonder drug <laughs> And like they have, they show the Oxycontin fucking commercials, the propaganda commercials of yeah. actors being like, oh, I can row boats now because I fucking Ugh. snort oxys. Yeah, God, I literally know how addictive it is. And the, well, because they, they put, because it was time release. So they were like, oh, it makes it less addictive because it's time release. They didn't realize people were going to figure out that you could just squash them yeah. and, and fucking right immediately yeah. Yeah. get everything. That's interesting, man. I did not grow up around much of a pill culture. A little the, bit. My it, dad took like trucker speed, like yeah. mini thins and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, I never did. But, but it seems like shit. people of your generation and younger, the pill thing is definitely like a thing. You know, like a, like it is a, it's a way you get high. I have to, but I, I have, uh, I have taken, um, um, God, not Ritalin. What's the, the, the one, not the Ritalin? Oh, uh, fucking, uh, uh, the, oh, I don't know. I know. Adderall. I Adderall. Uh, See, I but I've Adderall heard Adderall <clears throat> has like a methiness to it because I know people who do who are used to be on meth, and they say it's great that like when my buddy Finn, he's a comic, yeah. and he says some of the greatest times in my life <clears throat> were being high on meth, sitting in a dumpster, just going through manic thoughts in your head, yeah. like you just are so euphoric and you're on top of the yeah. world, and one hit of meth will get you high for like two days. Oh my Straight. god! Great. Yeah, and like you're and, asking for it, and man. Adderall is just like it's one chemical away from being meth. Yeah. So that's why a lot of people say that like, oh, I got a lot of shit done. 
Well, so do meth addicts. Have you ever seen a meth addict fucking yeah. building a pyramid in the middle of Wilshire Boulevard yeah. while he's got boogers falling yeah. down his nose Jesus. and he's just babbling chicken? Man, he's I, getting I, shit done. Yeah, man. I, yeah, I saw. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I went to the liquor store a couple weeks ago, Cap and Cork, in my neighborhood on, on Hillhurst. And going to drive up into the parking lot next to it, and there's this dude just wearing like a Rambo army jacket that went just barely covered his package. His ass was Dude, hanging they out. They love having their asses and dicks out. Yeah, the, the, it was out. It does clear the way. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? Clear? Like if your dick and balls are out and you're filthy, people are going to get out of your yeah, way. I tell you, and this, and he had a purse <clears throat> that he was just swinging around, really f- like whipping it around on a tangent around himself. And I was like, I can't park in that parking lot, so I drove out somewhere else parked. I was like, please, don't, I don't want to see this guy in the street. I don't want to see this guy in the street. I go from a totally different side. Walk up the street. He just turns the corner right as I'm ready to go into the liquor store. And I was like, I got to fucking deal with this guy. And he was like just dancing around. He was so fucked up. He was so fucked up at like 2.30 in the afternoon on a Thursday, you know. And I, I went into the liquor store. I was like, listen, this guy is out here. And he's, I don't know. I mean, there's Well, that's the problem know. is that dude will call the cops and then the cops will come and either arrest the guy and put yeah. him in jail for years you know or, or they just won't do anything yeah. i made you laugh yeah. over text because we were watching the nfl draft yeah and uh oh yeah the and Trosh so just goes and it is funny how the state do that they still hang with the stereotypical parental storylines of like yeah <laughs> his mother was his greatest inspiration his father yeah. he wasn't in his life yeah yeah <laughs> and then like i you were like do any of these guys have dads and i was like yeah or they're alive and they're serving consecutive life sentences for robbing a liquor store in 1988 or oh, some shit. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> no, it, it is. But also, it was a lot of death was the motif this year. All these guys being drafted, like suicide death, getting hit by truck yeah. death. They had death being talked about a lot. Do you lot. know what my big problem with the NFL draft is, too? Like, first round, I get it. Those dudes are your blue chippers. Yeah. Second and third round beyond, I don't like that they make every they make it seem like every player is going to have a big like, career. Yeah. I think they need to be honest and talk talk about his intangibles. This is yeah. what he did on his pro day, but then you need to go. But yeah, the average NFL career is about four and a half years. Yeah, well, th- so the chances of this young man being anything is like you know that's we'll the mis- see. You're Everything beyond the, the first round is a we'll see. Basically, yeah. Even the first round is Jesus Christ, and you that's know, why just... I don't like in general. Even if it's a player I hate, I don't like when a player's career gets ended based on draft stock versus how their career ended up. Because I was even looking at it. There's yeah. 33 quarterbacks have been drafted number one overall. Peyton Manning's the only one that panned out. Oh, no. There's been a lot of other ones. Because if you think about it, though. Steve Hall- Bartkowski. Hall of Fame. But I'm saying Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Yeah. Usually go in the third or fourth round or the well, second round. Well, it's, uh, you know, the, people have to realize <clears throat> there's a whole, you know, the fit has to be right. The you know, fact it's like, that they got, the fact that Mahomes at 10 being what happened, that's like rare. That a first round quarterback be is that fucking good. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, I mean... They, they, Brady, sixth round. Joe Montana, third round. Yeah, he was a fourth round. I think, uh, what what was Jim Kelly? Jim Kelly was a first round. First rounder. Yeah. Elway was, was a first rounder. Was a first but even round. like late... Dan Marino was the 13th overall pick. Oh, no, he was later than that. He was actually like in, the, in the late 20s, you know. And so. he's the, statistically was the greatest quarterback that ever lived until Peyton Manning. Yeah, absolutely. But 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 it was... Um, so, yeah, you, you got to get that. I'm just... I am not you. The Vikings. I've never had good quarterback play, really. So although, you're preaching to the choir, but you know, I know when you do, when you when you haven't truly had a great quarterback, it makes the game so difficult to watch. But like 
Are you under the Bears boat? Well, you had Tarkenton. Yeah, I was a kid. The Bears have I was never ten when he retired. Even Luckman, though, the Bears have never had a franchise court because yeah. even Sid Luckman played for the Redskins for fucking eight years. <laughs> but he was the guy in the forties. <clears throat> the Bears were the shit in the forties. That yeah. was like their dominant era. Jim McMahon was like a franchise quarterback in personality. Yes, but like. If you're talking stats, it's Jay Cutler because he has 23,000 bear yards, Jesus like 30 for Christ. his career because he played somewhere else. Such a bad – um, what a weird quarterback he was, you know? You want to know uh, – because I was looking at all bear quarterbacks. Yeah. Here's how – here's a stat to show you how pathetic bear quarterbacking has been. Mitchell Trubisky is the eighth – is number eight on bears all-time yardage. <laughs> Two years in. Two, three years in. He's got 8,500-some yards, <laughs> and he's number eight. So that's when, when people are like, he's the worst bear that's ever played. I'm like, nope, he's number eight. Man, he's, yeah, the eighth had, be, he's the eighth best quarterback they've ever had statistically. Is, like, is number five like Tom Zach or Let something? Let me pull it up. I think number three is Tom Zach. <sighs> Let me look it up. Uh, 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 do you remember Tom Zach playing? No, you don't. Probably Eric no, Kramer. No, no, no. Harbaugh yeah. is the all- Harbaugh is the first quarterback you really remember, and then uh, Kramer was the one. Kramer probably has a few numbers. He's probably has a few. Stats Kramer's my guy, dude. Eric Kramer is ninety-five. Like that's when I first started. That's when I watched football by myself. By the way, I'm curious. Do you think? Uh, do you think pedophiles uh, masturbate to this movie? Look who's talking. I don't know, man. Do you think they they, they must have at some point, right? It's a good-looking boy. What, what, what a creepy way. So here we go. Sorry. Jay Cutler, number one, 23,443 yards. Sid Luckman, number two, 14,686 yards. Jim Harbaugh, number three, 11,565. McMahon wow. was 11,203. Kramer's five with 10,582. Billy Wade is number six Jesus with 9,000. Ed Brown is seven. Ed, I don't even know Ed Brown. Ed is. Brown played from fifty four to sixty one, nine thousand six hundred ninety eight yards. Ed Number Brown. eight, Mitchell David Trubisky, Jesus eight thousand five hundred and fifty four yards. Wow. Yeah, they they've had some. Just... I'm gonna throw a bullshit comparison out right now. Just my daily Trubisky defense. Only nine hundred yards less than Patrick Mahomes career wise. <laughs> well, because Mahomes was hurt last year, so he didn't get. The yeah, yardage. he also didn't play his first year. Yeah, he didn't even play his first year. Uh, I think Patrick Mahomes is. Uh, he's the greatest quarterback that ever lived. I'm not denying that. Yeah, I was. I just prefaced that. He's yeah. be pretty good. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna put him in Canton yet. You know, dude. They called you know. him a future Hall of Famer yesterday during the draft. I wanted to almost punch this TV. Uh, I get it. You're probably right, yeah. but like. <laughs> Don't, what if he fucking breaks his neck next year? Well, what about the pack dra- drafting a quarterback in the first <laughs> The Eagles round? did. Did CJ text you about well, he we hates their talking. picks? Oh, yeah, absolutely. What do you do? Because And here's how, how – here's how, first of all, if you look at all the teams, it's getting to a point where no teams need a quarterback. Even if you, you can have the argument of which is better, the Bears have Foles and Trubisky. Like, yeah. they don't need a quarterback. Yeah. You can argue which one of them's better. Yeah. But, like – there are very that's why Fromm and Jalen Hurts went yeah. to teams well Fromm I think to Indy can be something or no Eason went to Indy Tony Eason uh yeah Tony Eason <laughs> uh Jacob Eason okay. he was actually Jake Fromm's replaced Jake Fromm replaced him at Georgia so Eason went to Washington uh yeah. but Jalen Hurts there are a lot of good quarterbacks that went to like nobody needs a quarterback the Colts got Rivers that's yeah. why Cam Newton is a free agent. There's how crazy Andy is that? Dalton's a free agent. Nobody needs a quarterback, or, or they don't, they don't want to pay, or they, they don't, don't want to give with, up. Yeah, or they don't want to give up yet. In two or three years, the Bears might need a quarterback. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the Vikings extended Cousins', Cousins. contract, and 
They drafted, I think they drafted well for what their needs are. But, you know, these guys aren't going to make an impact right away. They're fucking rookies. You but know? I, so, I bet Eagles fans got, what are you, replacing Wentz? Yeah, you getting yeah. Jalen Hurts to replace Carson Wentz? Well, yeah, I was zooming with you CJ. You draft a backup. I was zooming with CJ when they made that pick, and I was like, oh, my God. I mean, he was just like, what's this? Carson Wentz has a cannon, dude. They're not replacing yeah. Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is good. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you but you, know, you need someone though when, when Carson once breaks his neck every yeah, year. Yeah. You need he, someone he got to fucking. Injured. He got injured that, that one year. He's been injured every year he's yeah. played in the NFL. You know, so it's like you need some. You know, you need to have something there. You know, so yeah, I watch it. It's like you know, we should go back and have a retro draft three years after this. Here's draft. where we get to you, baby. Number nine after Mitchell, Bob Avellini. Bob Avellini. Look at Bob. Seventy-five to eighty-four. Seven thousand one hundred and eleven yards. Look how many interceptions he had, and then look how many touchdowns he had. I think he had double sixty-nine picks to thirty-three interceptions, or to thirty-three touchdowns, but sixty-nine picks. He had double, over double the number. He was a terrible career fifty-four pass rating. He was a terrible quarterback, and that's where you can look down on Mitchell. Mitchell has this. Jay Cutler has an 85 pass rating, but he played for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, Mitchell's passer rating is 85.8 over three years. Well, you know, we'll see what happens this year. They got him a tight end. They got a big tight end yeah. that he can throw some balls up there. And that's the key. And that's where Mahomes, ha- they have tall dudes that can, he can throw those wild balls in the air. And they got yeah. those giant sprinters <laughs> to go up and fucking grab them. Yeah. If you do that tight end they drafted is six, five. He's like an outside linebacker yeah, yeah, out there. Yeah, he's huge. He is And then huge. they got Jimmy Graham on their, whatever they call it, the U end or whatever the tight end. They got the yep. Y tight end and the yep. U tight end or whatever the fuck. Uh, they got Allen Robinson. Now you need another tall wide receiver. They got yeah. a couple. Did they draft another receiver? Did they draft um, a receiver? Like no, the they draft? went for. I think they got an O lineman in the seventh. Yeah. Let me look up the Bears. Look at the Vikings. The Vikings had seventeen picks or fifteen picks. You know they always do that because they get so many of them wrong. Abe Vagoda is in this. This is Abe. Vigoda. He's still alive. He's fucking still alive. Jesus Christ! This is thirty fucking years ago. Let me the, see. Well, I think he's one of those guys that looked way older than he was. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. Let's look at the the Vikings draft. No, he died in 2016. Oh, okay. Sorry, Fish is dead. He was 94. Yeah, he was. When you're hitting your 90s, boy, you you you've you've had a run. Okay, so you know? the Vikings got Gladney with the 31st overall yeah, d- pick, defensive back. back, defensive back. They needed that. They got an offensive tackle, second round. Oh, they got to, well. Yeah, they, here's their grade. So and then they, well, they got Justin Jefferson. With yeah. the twenty second pick, they got that wide receiver to, and that you never know. Do wide receivers are kind of like running backs, where they're yeah. a dime a dozen. Uh, also, but they they don't tend to make an impact right away because the position's hard. You got to learn the routes, learn, absolutely. So I mean, Ezra Cleveland, Boise State, that's an A minus. That's their best, one of their best draft picks. Yeah, uh, they got a defensive end in the seventh. Kenny Will Willicks, Michigan State, that's an yeah. A minus. Yeah, they got Nate Stanley out of Iowa, quarterback. He played for, for a rival of my high school. He played for Menominee really? High School. He's a bum. He's they a had four seventh-round picks. Yeah. They got a safety, an offensive lineman, safety in the sixth, offensive tackle, another wide receiver in the fifth, yep. cornerback in the fifth, linebacker in the fourth. I give them credit, man. I mean, they went after like what they needed. Like Those positions are all what they need. I mean, they, 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 they needed another receiver. Uh, and they need defensive backs. They need to get like four or five new bodies back there just to see what happens. This because... was the final year of the Bears having no draft picks. Because oh, this was like man. they had the Khalil. Hands, but now they got one that seems to be an exceptional player. What's this? Off the 
Oh, it's a video. It's a. Let me tell you something here. Here's who we're drafting. Sick of these wuss San Francisco coaches with their West Coast it. offense. I hate these websites. Can you stop that on the news? My girl worked. Quit the. I don't need your video to start automatically. Stop it. Or start on mute. I don't want to hear your bullshit. I'm hello, here to read. Larry. Portland is a long way from LA. Oh, hello, Larry. So, hello, uh, Larry. They got Cole Komet out of. They gave that a C. Plus. But for, that's the best tight end in the draft. For, for, the, uh, for the Bears. For the Bears. Uh, then they got uh, Jalen Johnson. That's an A. He, yeah. He's the best quarterback cornerback in the draft. That's a steal. One of them. I mean, come on. Uh, he would have been. And the then they didn't have a pick until the fifth round. They yeah. got uh, an edge linebacker. I love how that's a position now. Yeah. An edge. That's what Wisconsin produces. That's a 3 4. TJ Watt. Travis, Travis Glipson out of Tulsa, C. Uh, then they got a cornerback in the fifth. Then they got a wide receiver, Darnell Mooney out of Tulane. That's an A. Yeah. Uh, and then they got an offensive tackle and an uh, offensive lineman. I like Two that tackles name. in the seventh, D uh, pluses. Uh, any receiver named Darnell Mooney. I like automatically. Dude, look at this offensive tackle's name. Arlington Hambright. That is a fat fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's a name. Wall name. And then they got Lacavius Simmons. Oh, yeah. I like that, too. Kendall Vildor. That's their cornerback. <laughs> yeah, That sounds man. like a, a final boss of a video game. <laughs> I'm curious, man. Can you look up University of Wisconsin football players' drafts, like where they went to? Jonathan Taylor went to Indianapolis in the second round. But the guy Zach Braun is a pretty good edge guy. Like he's an outside linebacker edge guy, you know. Taylor went to Indy. Yeah. Oof. What a boring place to be an athlete. Yeah, he won't live there like I said. He's from Jersey, so he I mean he'll fly back from Indianapolis, man. He'll get a flight over to New York. I'm sure they have a bunch of flights every day. Probably an hour and a half max, you know. Okay. It's not as many as I thought. Okay. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor went yeah. to Indy. Yep. Zach Braun went to New Orleans. Yep. Tyler Biadzis. Oh, 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 the uh, the center. The, uh, yeah, he went to Dallas. Yeah. Quintez Cephas. Who, who did you get drafted by? Detroit. Receiver? Oh, in the what round? In what round? Fifth. Oh, he went in the fifth. Yeah, he's two, three, good. four consecutive rounds. Yeah, and was that it? Basically, four That's guys. It. Interesting. But the, I think this is before the rest of the draft. The, those guys were all their best players. Uh, it's interesting that, that the Cowboys took him because they, they just lost that guy. Uh, oh, John, it was updated Johnson. today. That's it. Yeah, that's the draft. Because, you know, that guy, uh, Travis Frederick, retired uh, from the from the Cowboys, and he played for Wisconsin. So they got a Wisconsin center. You know, the, Wisconsin produces good offensive linemen. They always have two or three linemen a year you should get picked up, you know. Yeah. But anyway. But that was it. You you, you ready to close it out? Yeah. I think I, I, I'm winding down here, Mr. Pazel, but we're this is a, a good time. We're at a buck 30. The, the drop's at everything. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's certainly a start. It, we're gonna it work picks the up the lulls. Exactly. We got exactly. lull killers now. I know, which we need. We need yeah. to have that when we're, we're all high. We're all baked. We're going to get more high. Yeah. I still got some more in this pen. This yeah, pen I'm, was I'm a I'm going to hit my leaf week. after this, too. Yeah. I don't have well, to work tomorrow. Do you got any plug your social media real quick? Let's let's ease Insecure down slow. Comic. Let's land this fucking plane like I used to say at Power Hour. Insecure comic. I'm waiting to get above four hundred followers. I need to have more followers. Twitter my, my Twitter. Insecure hand. comic on Twitter. You're just Adam Crocious on Instagram yep. and nobody uses Inse Facebook. I, I, I should use Instagram more, but I don't you got whatever. To. Make stories. I am at Keith Pazel on all social media platforms. That yep. is K E I T H P A E S E L. I'll spell it like my dad does. P as in Paul. A-E-S-E-L. He picks Paul every time. Yep. Get a different P name. Let's mix it up. When I spell my last name on the phone, it's K as in 
K R O S S and Sam. H U S S Sam. Because S's and F's kind of sound the same on a phone. Do it like a cop. K is in chrono. K E as in euphoria. That's what I do when I call him when I have issues with my computer with the IT department. Like when I can't connect to the cloud well enough or something. Call them up. They help me out. That'd be funny if cops did it like names. We got a license plate. Four, three, Dale, Ed, Keith. (laughs) Oh, they probably do that. Like like alpha. You know, that's. Oh, it's all alphas and betas. Speaking of planes. Yeah. We're looking at, we're, oh, this is, look, look at, he's flying a plane right there. Yeah, he's probably really flying the plane, too. Yeah, That's yeah. probably, we were really yeah. up there. I could have killed us. I know, because Travolta is a, is a pilot, you know? And yeah. He's in looking, look who's talking right now. That kid is now 31 years old. Probably. You he know? probably got molested so yeah. hard I, on God, this side. Geez, I hope not. He's anyway, a baby. we're going to ease out of that. Anyway, yeah, and that that's how we ease it out. Uh, the- well, we're going to plug the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to all, you know, get with us. Yes. You don't just end it. All right. Put a drop uh, in. We'll Put a see drop. you next week. Uh, well, hello, Larry. Hello, Larry.